Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Friday morning at 1.15 a.m. Eastern Time. Joining me from New York City, where he went to the Nets-Sixers game a few hours ago. Uh, nothing happened that game, Mr. Tim Bontemps. I really jinxed myself by saying many times over the past couple of weeks that this series was going to be and was incredibly boring. I mean, I got all that back for me and then some <laughs> tonight because I had to deal with all bunch of nonsense. Joining us on an off night, he's covering the Grizzlies uh, Lakers series, but an off night for him is Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Took a little pit stop at home, had some laundry to do and some people to smooch up a little bit. <laughs> All right, listen, you, you do what you got to do. Um, there was not a lot of smooching going on in, in Brooklyn tonight, that's for sure. Everybody is very unhappy. Well, um, all right, we had an interesting three games um, on Thursday night. Uh, obviously, the the one that was probably most important, Kings Warriors, was the, was the least interesting, mm-hmm. as it turned out. Um, but I feel like we should probably... Well, we'll start with your game, Bonte. No, let's start. No, let's start. That's the headliner game. Let's start. Let's just right. get it out of the way. Warriors Kings. All right. So, um, Steph I saves am, the day. Uh, yeah. Well, I gotta uh, say, and, go ahead. I was gonna say, and Kavon Looney. Well, and Kavon Looney, who was who was terrific. I mean, look, coming into this game with no Draymond Green, I felt like the Warriors were gonna win because I thought Steph Curry, an all-time great player, was gonna step up and deliver a win at home and. He stepped up and played great. And Kevon Looney, who has been the unsung hero of mm-hmm. this Warriors run for years. You talk to people with the Warriors. Kevon Looney's first two years in his career, he had one hip labrum injury, and then he had the other one. He basically didn't play for, I think, his entire first two years of his career. And he now has become one of the more durable players in the league. He played, I think, every game last year. He played just about every game this year. And they drafted his up. replacement. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Right. James Wiseman was supposed and, to be his replacement and now was gone. Yeah. And people and then, yeah. then traded him for three deflated basketballs. Yeah. I mean, people around that team, like you ask them who their favorite guy on the team is, they basically all say Kevon Looney because of his character and worth ethic and the amount of stuff he's fought through. And for him to step up the way he did today says a lot about him and a lot about his role on that team to step up and deliver the way he did. 20 well, rebounds, nine yes. assists, nine assists, plus 21 in 30 minutes and was exhausting himself, like working so hard on Sabonis that he was exhausting himself. Um, nine offensive rebounds, which Jackson is telling us is the most offensive rebounds in a playoff game um, since Kevon Looney. I, well, if, I think if you I was guys at remember the one last year. I think that well, was against the Mavericks because he was he was awesome. Like basically, the Mavericks went out and said, "Hey, we've got to sign a, a rim protecting, rebounding big man because Kevon Looney kicked their butt so bad." And uh, they've still got to sign that guy because Javale McGee wasn't the answer. But neither well, here nor he, there. Well, he did the same thing in the NBA Finals too. He threw the Celtics around for six games and and was a huge part of why Golden State won that series. They couldn't keep him off the glass then either. Yeah, and look, the Warriors, it, it, the trend continues. Awesome at home, not very good on the road. It will surprise nobody if this thing's 2-2 going back to Sacramento. Well, okay, before we get to that, um, once again, the Warriors played good defense. Now, the the mm-hmm. I mean, good defense at home. Um, right. This is what they do. Number three defense at home, number 28 on the road. Um, the Kings were ice cold from three-point range tonight, 11 of 47. But the Warriors, other than Steph, weren't hot either. The Warriors, 16 of 50. There was 97 threes taken in this game. Holy Moses. Um, Steph. Moses Maloney. (laughs) And then what they call Uh, Yeah. Who? Moses Maloney. That's what they call him. Last year in the playoffs. Yes. This uh, this is right over Brian said. Yeah, I have, I'm sorry. I have no idea what you're talking about. Moses Malone, you're the one who the greatest you, offensive rebounder in the history of the NBA. It's a play on it, Kevon Looney's name. It's it's not that hard. I, I mean, I know uh, Moses Malone. It's probably one of the most untouchable records in sports, his oh, offensive rebound God. record. But I'd never heard it, Moses Maloney. I'd never heard that. Okay, we I am pretty sure Wendy told us about that last we, year. We, we talked about this multiple times during the playoffs okay, well, last year. All right. Fine. On this We're moving on. <laughs> 
I'll accept guilt. Fine. I'm guilty. Uh, it's not worth it. Um, the, the Kings, you know, shot 38%, 23% on threes, only 97 points. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's just without Draymond Green, who's their best defensive player. Um, I think the, um, you know, there's a bunch of different ways you can look at this stat, but um, the stat that I had from uh, our SIG group was that when um, when Draymond played, the Warriors ranked uh, third in defensive field goal percentage allowed, and when he didn't play, when he wasn't on the floor, they were 25th. And then Gary Payton, who is obviously one of their key situational mm-hmm. defensive players, uh, a guy who they would put on, De'Aaron Fox, you know, he was on Darren Fox down the stretch might of the have, game. Might've started today. If he was available, that's true. He was out. He's been dealing with an ankle injury, but he's also out sick, mm-hmm. which, uh, I have to assume he was very, very sick, um, to miss this game. So, uh, I don't know where that leaves him for game four, but you know, that was not a good development for the warriors def- defensively to have two of their, their best defensive players not available. And then they still hold him to 97. Um, uh, I mean, that's, Pretty much the story uh, of well, the game. And, and Malik Monk had a total dud. He was awesome in game one, 32 points. Pretty good and not an efficient 18 points in game two, but still scored 18. And tonight, four points, one of nine shooting. Uh, he's got to be really good for the Kings to win. And and tonight he wasn't. You know who was really good, though? And this is this is big for this series and potentially moving forward. Andrew Wiggins looked like the guy who was – uh, a star during the championship run last year. Um, you know, he's minister back in the mid thirties, 20 points officially, you know, 20 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Obviously the guy is going to be an impact uh, on the defensive end. That to me is, is one of the bigger developments uh, is that, you know, Wiggins looks, he, he doesn't look like a guy who missed two months. He looks like the guy who was, one of the key parts of a title run last year. Yeah, he's looked really good, really since game one of the series for me. I mean, he came right right in, played 28 minutes off the bench game one, started game two, looked pretty good, I thought, in game two, looked good again today. Like, that's, to your point, McMahon, that's a huge thing for them going forward. And look, for Sacramento, like, obviously, I think as a neutral, I am happy that the Warriors won this game because the story of the series is not going to be about Draymond Green being suspended. But... For Sacramento, mm-hmm. this is a huge missed opportunity. Just like Wednesday was a huge missed opportunity for the Lakers with John Morana, right? That was a chance for the Lakers to really put a hammer lock on that series. They failed to do it. Tonight, the Kings had a chance to put this thing away, and they let the defending champs get off the mat. And we'll see if it comes back to bite them or not. But you don't necessarily get a lot of opportunities to take a team like this out like this. And they, yeah, normally- they didn't take advantage of it. Normally in a situation like this, I would say that whoever wins game four probably wins the series. I've seen series like this a lot of times, and I've, I I can't quite say that because the Warriors are so Jekyll and Hyde home road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like if given two more chances in five and seven, that they could get one, but they have not, they have I not earned Golden- that confidence. I thought if Golden State won this game, they're going to win the next three. So we'll see if they do. Oh, that's bold. I just, I thought this was, to me, this was the Kings' opportunity. They played well in the two games at home. They win this game tonight. The series is over. They let these guys get off the mat. Because here's the thing. I didn't think Golden State played that bad in those two games at Sacramento. Like, game one was a a tie, basically a tie Mm -hmm. game. Andrew Wiggins gets a wide open three to win it. Misses it. But great shot. tie it. Or tie I thought no, it was to no, put no, would have put him ahead. It would have put him ahead. Steph had the shot at the buzzer. Steph had the shot it. to okay. tie it after that. And then I thought the Warriors were coming back in game two when Draymond got thrown out. Like they had all the momentum. Steph was flying through, was slicing through their defense. Like, so it wasn't like they were playing terrible to me in Sacramento. Mm, I'll say this fourth quarter Fox game, was, was pretty strong in game two. I well, think it's but, fair to but say at that, that point, but that, but that was a dra- I mean, once Draymond left the game, the Warriors offense short circuited. And I, I think it's apart. fair to say that regardless of what's happened, it's, it's not far away from being two one Warriors. I think that's a fair. Sure. Right. Say. Right. Um, I just think so, the, the win in Sacramento to me felt like it was coming. And if they got off the mat today, 
I thought they're going to come back and win the series, but that's no knock on the Kings. They, they played, they've more than acquitted themselves and I'm, it's going to be a hell of a series. I, it's far, you know, yeah. we'll see what I happens. I mean, there's a, there's a reason why the old, the saying is old that it, a series doesn't start until somebody wins on the other team's floor. Obviously it doesn't, it's not always true. Obviously if a team with home court doesn't have win, I mean, but it's indicative of how a series is played. That saying exists for a reason. And that saying is applicable probably to where we're at in this series right now. Um, so we'll see also the, the demeanor that Draymond has when he comes back, what he's, uh, <clears throat> you know, what he's able to give, um, you know, whether or not that um, that ends up being a rally. Be fresh. I suspect Draymond is going to have a monster game in game four. For sure. And I, and I suspect that the Kings, that was the one thing I thought about coming into this game was that with what happened, it kind of put the Kings in a situation where it's, you know, it's kind of the stakes are much higher than just a normal game three, because now that they lose, as you said, now golden state is, has won in one game that in theory they shouldn't have won. So, uh, but clearly they played, they were the better team. Well, you know what um, happened? So- you know what I really thought the key to this game was, when the Chase Center announced that cowbells would not be allowed, that was that. <laughs> well, that was I very it, absurd. I, I think it was an edict from Bob Myers, their uh, general manager, who had a fan the other night. Did you see that video? That went No, I didn't see this. Did you see it, man? I did not. So Did he have a little cowbell ringing on his face? He had, a, a, he had a fan in his face? Not in his face, like one foot behind his head. Oh. Um, he was sitting, you know, typically, uh, league, I, league executives, they sit in sort of the middle of the stands, like, you know, seven, eight, mm-hmm. 10 rows up. Um, and there was, there was, I, I assume that the Kings fan knew who Bob Myers was. Um, but he was ringing that bell like crazy, like inches behind his head inches. And at least in this clip that was out there, Bob did not even turn around and it well, was listen, just the, the the man has had Draymond Green on his roster for how many years like he's <laughs> probably pretty good at tuning out some noise <laughs> right um it was I mean the guy was going with both hands he was ringing uh, Jackson, that thing with both Jackson hands. just Jackson just sent me this clip I'm just pulling I'm pulling it up right now oh yeah got Mike Dunleavy and Bob Meyer sitting there not even flinching this oh yes bonkers. this is impressive <laughs> and you Kirk Lake up yeah, there too got the whole crew of guys there <laughs> Dunleavy is composing or is that Kirk is that Kirk or Dunleavy sitting in it Dunleavy sitting right. down typing out a text Kirk is I know what the text says and Bob isn't moving the, <laughs> the text the text is to uh Chase Center Operations, uh, please issue a statement <laughs> banning cowbell for game three. Sincerely, oh, Golden State Warriors front office. God God bless those um, guys for not moving, though. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember uh, when the Heat would, when, when, when Riley does, I'm sure they still do, the Heat, Riley, during every timeout, Riley would stand up. He would he'd be sitting behind the bench, and Riley – I don't, he couldn't hear or see into the huddle, but he would stand up Riley, Andy Ellisberg and Alonzo morning. And it kind of annoyed fans sometimes that, you know, that he'd stand up, but Alonzo morning kind of ends that discussion here. Well, so Alonzo morning, Alonzo morning and Pat Riley, both. Nobody well, right. But like, Riley I'm either. just saying that, like, you know, you ain't if, Alonzo to, morning, to if no. Alonzo morning no. was, was stand, was doing that standing there. I suspect the cowbell might not have been. <laughs> so, no offense to Mike Dunleavy. I mean, you know, uh, you know, he's a impressive man, but you know, he's he's not a lot. Him and Bob Meyer, him and Bob Myers are both solid six seven, six eight, but they yes, ain't Alonzo yes. Morning. That's true. And Alonzo has sort of a resting, don't mess with me face. Uh, I think. But anyway, so we will see what happens in Game Four. That now becomes super pivotal. Um, unfortunate that this game wasn't as intense as games one and two. It was, uh, the least intense game of the night, but, um, more hoop collective podcast after this. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on Yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. 
another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic in tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Okay, so Bontemps, um, your game... The Nets was it a game? game? Is it fair to call it a game? It was more just like a nonstop wrestling match for three hours. Well, look, let me tell you something. Went. When the league suspends Draymond under the circumstances, what they suspended him for, they are asking for trouble. They sure are. And they got the it. the way Listen, other players man, are going to react. I, I hear what you're saying. Also, they made it very clear. Draymond's history was the reason he got suspended. Well, but here's so but let's it, leave the little violence at home and recognize that Draymond put himself in this situation. No, 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 no. I, that's not what Brian's saying. What Brian's saying is because of because of how the league has legislated these flagrant fouls, you now have a situation where on virtually any time there is a foul, there are attempts by the player who was fouled to try to get a review to turn it into yeah. a flake. No, I, I, I hear that. I'm just saying, let's not be too sympathetic towards Draymond where there's been a I lot mean, of that. I'm just saying overboard. like, okay. So, so two, is it three minutes into the game? Nick Claxton and B drives with the ball falls on the ground. Nick Claxton got, steps got over f- him. Fouled by Claxton. Okay. Yeah. On the play. Claxton, Claxton steps to, over him. Mm-hmm. Tried to bait him. And, Yep, because exactly because just well, because they, they know that the way to the well, way to get a guy neutralized is to get him well, kicked out or suspended. There's one thing that should be reminded here. Back in January, in the the Ben Simmons game, the one time Ben Simmons has actually played in Philadelphia as a net, the the real tussle that the obviously Embiid and Simmons guard each other at the beginning of the game. People remember that. Mm. The thing people don't remember is during that game, Embiid and Claxton got double technicals. Because Claxton and Embiid got after it. Embiid said after the game, Claxton said some stuff he wouldn't repeat later and, and whatever. It became a thing. Right. So those two guys already have a history. And that's before it's 2 nothing Philly. Mm-hmm. And Embiid has dominated the interior the past two games. So all that is prior context to Claxton committing this foul and then staring down Embiid and stepping over, leading up to what happened after that. And then when Bede kicks up at his groin, he, he, he didn't hit his groin. I, I don't know if he, if that was, I think he, I think he might hit the groin. He did not hit the cojones. He hit him in the those, back of the those leg. Are, those, those are not you, your groin. You're using as a euphemism, but they are, they're yeah. neighbors, he, but they're separate body parts. He, <laughs> he you. hit, Thank he, you for hit that clarification. <laughs> he hit Claxton in the back of the leg and didn't even hit him really that hard, which is why I thought before they announced the review, it was going to be I, a friend of ours who's a scout texted me who was at the game, said, what do you think this is going to be? I said, they think they're going to call Claxon for a tech for taunting. And I think they're going to call him beat for a flagrant one because he didn't really connect that hard, even though it was obvious he had intent behind what yeah. he was doing. OK, right. But here's the thing. Because of what's happened with guys who've been hitting the groin, there's been multiple suspensions over the years for that. Sure. And because Claxton went down, he, there was. A mortal right. wound. And, you know, I don't want to call anybody Let's out see. because I don't know how certain things felt, but it wouldn't be the first time this week a guy, you know, took a a a shot and acted as if it was, you know. Well, well here's the thing about it. Do you, McMahon, I know, Brian, Brian, you thought it was a flagrant two, right? Is I, that was fair surprised, to say? I was surprised they 
they because it was so blatantly that he mm-hmm. well, him but you either way it was a borderline call you thought it was flagrant two it, not stunned it's a flagrant one mcmahon did you think it was a flagrant one or flagrant two I thought there were definitely flagrant two intentions and flagrant one execution. That's that's basically where I came down. I thought he should have stayed in the game because he didn't connect really. It was he sort of grazed him, whatever. But so here's it's like the thing. you tried to you tried to kick him in the nuts, but because you're you have bad aim, like just because he's not as good a, a kicker I, as Raymond Green. I would have been fine if I, I think it was a borderline call. You could have gone either way. Uh, we seem to all agree on that, right? Okay. Sure. This this James Harden ejection yeah. later in the game. All right, hold, all right, hold no, on. Hold on. We'll get to well, that. Hold on. Right. Well, I'm just just this. It's Wendy's. I don't know it, what, when, Wendy's on the cartoon, bro. When he well, says, "Hold on, you got to stand." I down. had to. I had to watch this game, and I had to deal with this all day. This James Harden ejection. I, every single person I press row was flabbergasted when they well, said. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. Because after the events of the last few days, the fact that they gave Embiid a, a flagrant one. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't Tony Brothers, who was the crew chief in this game's decision to suspend Draymond, he is the figurehead for the NBA authority. Because of what had just happened, the overwhelming response, especially I'm sure within the building there in Philadelphia, in uh, Brooklyn, was that that was a mis- that was a miscarriage. Okay, um, and so that was just hanging in the air. All right, at halftime. Not, not that I'm saying the referees are watching. Uh, he kicked at something halftime. that was hanging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could have made a carriage joke there too. I, I, I opted out of that one. Good job. The, you know, you got Charles Barkley and Shaq saying he should have been kicked out. You know, again, not that the crew chiefs was watching that, but I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're sort of setting the agenda. I, I did not expect discussion. the 1990s inside crew to start saying that there should be ejections <laughs> from games too. I, I was, I went to watch was, to see what they'd have to say. And I was like, this is not what I expected. It was 24 hours after uh, one of the bad boys suspended Draymond. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Strange week in so, the league. Okay. So go ahead, Bontemps. Then, then we have. Well, no. What? So then at the end of the third quarter, James Harden has Royce O'Neal on him and sort of just shoves him. Didn't, I didn't really mm. listen at first. I couldn't honestly tell where the foul was. Like I saw the play. Royce O'Neal goes down. They call this offensive foul. James Harden looks surprised. I was like, all right, I don't, I didn't see a lot of contact there. Then I'm watching the review. I honestly couldn't really tell what happened at first. I mean, it looked like he hit him in the stomach, but like he didn't him, hit him. He hit Royce O'Neal right in the double zeros. I thought he hit him higher than that. Personally, I didn't think he hit him that low. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I I, w- I watched the replay a bunch of times, and I was like, "This looks like a common foul." And then they come I back and say, announce it's a flagrant two. I on that one, I I, I can't be certain that it, obviously O'Neal wanted everybody to think that he got hit in the cojones. I'm not sure if he did or not, but on that one. I thought that it was common foul to potentially flagrant one intentions. Um, I think I think Harden might have been meaning to hit him like in the stomach. Well, Harden he was, was hanging on using, him. He was hanging okay. on him and he pushed Harden him off. Was definitely, yeah, he was definitely For sure. But he, but he did it with like a fist. I mean, I think he was definitely meaning to give him a shot. Um, and then that might have been flagrant one intentions and flagrant two execution. <laughs> or maybe, or maybe you should, you should write a you should write a dissertation on this. Uh, on I, board, I, man. I'm or stunned. Perhaps. You think this is a flagrant two? I don't know anybody and nobody at the so game. So here's what I think. Two. Okay, so over the last couple of years, where we review everything, where the guy lays on the ground, many many times you see a foul and you're like, okay, that's a foul, and then they review it and they come back and say flagrant one. Mm-hmm. That happens like how many times? And we've just become accustomed to. All right. Well, he's going to get a flagrant one because he laid on the ground, and that's what I thought was going to happen there. I thought he was going to, you know, lay yeah. on the ground his way to a flagrant one, and it wasn't going to be the worst. Even though the game was very competitive, it wasn't going to be the worst call ever. Right. So for them to take those two plays and you know appear to go soft on the first one and then over overboard on the second one, affecting the same team. It just didn't look good. So after the game, uh, Bontemps, Tony Brothers, the crew chief, gives the pool report. What does he say? Well, he didn't even have to give the pool report because they have Bonnie McCutcheon, his boss, on immediately after the play. And he said, well, James Harden hit him in the groin intentionally, and that's why he got ejected from the game, which is later what 
Tony Brothers said. I still don't think he actually hit him in the groin. I still am stunned that he got a flag or two. And by the way, like the Sixers are trying to have a long playoff run. If you get four flagrant foul points, you get suspended for a game. James Harden now has two. Like, that's not an insignificant thing. And, like, I just thought this was an insane call. Like, if you told me that Embiid got ejected, I would have understood it. That was a borderline call. I could have seen a flagrant two. I thought it was a flagrant one, especially because it's a playoff game. And he got sort of goaded into it. Whatever. Either way, it would have been fine. I think this Harden thing is crazy. And I just... To me, it's uh, just guess indicative. who else thought it was crazy? Harden. Harden thought it was crazy. Well, Harden after, well, but I I have sympathy for Harden on this one. I I could not I cannot believe he got ejected for this play. I think it's wild. It's a wild decision. Like to me, it should get rescinded. It should get taken down to a flagrant one on Friday by the league, which I'm sure it's not <laughs> going to after this. But no. I just I don't know how they can with a straight face say that this is a a flagrant two play. All right, well, then this let me is, say this. So this then midway through the fourth, Claxton gets ejected for a second technical. Well, this was the dumbest thing of all time. Nick Claxton, I'm sorry. Like, he has this dunk on Embiid. And then he runs over to Embiid and stares him down and clearly taunts him, which is the easiest tech of all. Tony Brothers sprinted across the gym and was just, see ya. Just, <laughs> just immediately yeah. flinging him out of the Right game. on his heels of saying see ya. Embiid was saying see ya too. Oh, I mean, <laughs> Nick Claxton, like Nick Claxton was having a good game and like they're up in the game, I think six or eight points at that point. Like just a colossally stupid play by him. Just, you cannot and be especially, doing that. I mean, it's just, it's stupid anyway, but especially when you know that you've got no interior way to slow down Embiid and right. you're the best option. Right. And so right. like they're they're running Dayron Sharp out there who's really a borderline even center on a good day, much less dealing right. with a seven foot two behemoth. Right. So uh, but I will say this the crazy thing is, as if that's not all enough, because it was a back and forth game, is that Harden is out. And so that means the ball's in Therese Maxey's hands coming down the stretch. Embiid's having a dog game. Mm-hmm. I don't know if. He was just due. I don't know. He he kind of fell on his well, knee. His, well, his knee was bothering him. His back was bothering him. His foot was bothering him. He had about 20 pounds of ice on his knee after the game. I mean, he was all banged up. Yeah, his Didn't, foot was bothering him. He thought he was going to hit something softer when he kicked <laughs> Well, look, I mean, Tyrese Maxey had 15 in the first half, doesn't score the first 21 minutes of the second half, and then had 10 straight points the final three minutes. Hit a couple, hit a huge step back three to put the Sixers ahead late, and then Spencer didn't wait a chance to tie the game. Joel gets a big block, and the Sixers find a way to escape with a win that they did not deserve to get. They played really bad. They had Harden, who was their one good, consistent offensive player, get ejected. Harden finally made some twos in the game. But, Mm -hmm. you know, now they come back in 36 hours. They play a game Saturday afternoon again in Brooklyn in game four, and we'll see if they can close the series out or if it starts to go like the series last year with Toronto where they went up 3-2 and then they were down, you know, it got to within three, two, and that led to Embiid getting hit in the face late in game six and breaking his orbital bone or whatever he did. This is a great pool report. I actually am just now reading it. The explanation for Harden based on the point of contact directly to the groin, it rose to the level of excessive and ejection. And when I first read that, I misread ejection, which was pretty funny. I'm not going to say <laughs> what I- <laughs> I'm not surprised. I, it was just, it was a wild, it was a wild day. It was a wild day in Brooklyn for a series that was very boring until today. All of a sudden now it's not at all boring. And Saturday is going to be interesting because there's going to be a lot of, a lot of, a lot of emotions 36 hours after this one's over, they're back playing again. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And then the NBA TV game, which is a series I'm covering. I'm putting my, uh, my fingers up. I'm covering. I'm you get NBA TV in Omaha. I do. I do. As long as the Nuggets and Wolves and Thunder are not playing on it. I, it's a whole new world seeing this Thunder's Wolves series. I was watching that game last night. like The Nuggets, wow. too. Yeah. I, what, what did I say? Thunder and Wolves. Thunder Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> They're playing. The, I hear you. Yeah, you're right. I, it's like a whole new world seeing these games. It's like, whoa. <laughs> what's Who's that guy? Oh. That's the guy who that's the guy I've been hating on for the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Anyway, I am. Well, first, I, he, I first to... he didn't vote for Embiid McMahon for MVP, and now he's throwing him out of playoff games. Probably going to call for him to get suspended soon. It's just totally off the Embiid train, Windhorst. Well, just... we better review tomorrow. We'll we'll bring in Joel Embiid's permanent record so we can evaluate whether or not there should be <laughs> further discipline. <laughs> book book Dumars for NBA Today. <laughs> hey, I told you guys this. Dumars took more of a victory lap for suspending Draymond Green than he did in either of the Pistons' two titles. <laughs> it, it, he got more face time for this than Finals MVP. Well, he was bumped out of the headlines by Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks knocked him out. And by the way, McMahon, you know, I did TV this morning from 8 a.m. until noon. And McMahon's video, McMahon, your video of Dylan Brooks. Some beautiful footage. Some beautiful footage. You know, what's funny? What's funny is um, he was the only player who I shot video of. And uh, there was Good a decision. reason for that. <laughs> there, there, there was a reason for that because it's like, oh, Dylan didn't do a whole lot, but you never know. And voila, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> yep. He, I told Stephen A, Stephen A was, was, you know, totally doing what Dylan wanted him to do, which was to challenge LeBron. Oh, to yeah. Score to go for 40 and ignore, you know, you know, I'm not saying that he'd have to ignore AD, but that's what the Grizzlies want. They want the Lakers to focus on anybody but AD, even if it's LeBron. And Stephen A is just is just riling, going crazy, you know, totally doing it. And I was mm-hmm. like, Stephen A, when when Dylan picked out those white glasses and that plaid jacket with no undershirt and that diamond encrusted chain, he wore that for you. He wore uh-huh. that for you, Stephen A. And I will say and this: I, it's it's not an unusual outfit for for, I was for Dylan. Say, I've for seen Dylan. I've seen Dylan wear similar fits before. But, but your no question. Your greater point is, uh, he you know he went in there with a plan, and uh, he yeah. executed that plan quite well. And it's funny because he didn't make much of an impact in the game. He only played twenty three minutes. He had more uh, shot attempts than points, and what you know was in foul trouble. It was a very Dylan Brooks game all the way around. And, and somehow the, the game became all about him I about know, an hour said, after it ended. I said he should speak at Harvard Business School with the way that he you know, commandeered that. And and after like round three of everybody, you know, demanding that LeBron uh, go, go, go get him. I was like, he's having champagne for breakfast <laughs> because yes. he's he's the big winner. Uh, By the way, right, I do game? love I do love this. You know, this proves uh, Jordan's better than LeBron. Nobody would ever say anything like that about Jordan. Like, uh, back to the bad boys Pistons, fellas. Second time we've mentioned <laughs> yeah. them. But, like, yeah. do you think they were just, like, I mean, kissing Jordan's butt his whole career? There's a lot of – there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of revisionist history. Yeah. I don't think see, the Nick, I don't think see the Nick John in Game 3, McMahon? What's that? Are we going to see John Game 3? Listen, man. I honestly, I know that he basically told us after game one, he didn't think he was playing in game two. Uh, and, you know, I know Woj was reporting like there wasn't optimism. I was surprised. It's a bruise. And they didn't even list contusion on the injury report. They listed right-hand soreness. Hopefully that little mitten with the fingers cut off that he put on for the game after not wearing it into the arena is going to help. I don't know the science behind it, but hopefully that'll help and we can see him game three. Well, even if he plays game three, you have to figure he's going to be in some discomfort. He's going to be limited. So I, I don't know. I've seen guys where I thought they would miss time and come in and, and score 40. So I don't know. But I know that the Lakers could have levied a knockout blow and didn't. We'll get to that mm-hmm. in a minute. So the series I'm covering, I was at one and two. I didn't go to L.A., came home for the weekend. Still got up at 4.45 today to do television. Okay, we, we, we don't need your whole resume. Go on. All right. Um, this is a game I was paying attention to. Thank you to Ramona. Got Shelburne. so many, got so many violins here. So many violins. Yeah. For all By the, the way, I'd like to like to thank McMahon for um, pulling double duty on Saturday to cover. Brian's working so hard. He's working from home. He's not he going to the game. games. Hey, hey, listen, when, when you reach a certain status, you get, you get time off during the playoffs. Draymond Green, <laughs> Brian Windhorst. That's right. 
Draymond, I, another right. media, another media, another media guy, just taking games off during the playoffs. Doesn't need to be on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, watch when, it, watch it when's all. the next? When's the next uh, podcast? That's it's probably already up. up. It's probably already up. Yeah, on you're the, probably on the, right. on the, on the rollicking right victory by his teammates. Anyway, genuine stunning development today that Kawhi Leonard mm. was ruled out with a sprained knee. Um, I was at the first two games. I did not see him get hurt, did not see a bobble, a limp at all. He had 38 in game one where I came on this pod afterwards Sunday night. You remember me saying, my God, does he look great in game two? He maybe wasn't quite as effective, but he still had 31. And part of the reason he wasn't as effective was because the Suns were aggressively double teaming him. They made Mm -hmm. that adjustment. He still looked pretty damn good to me. Yeah, there was no way you'd look that look at them and say, "Oh man, like uh, he's he's showing any signs of anything." And so this was jaw dropping. Not only that, he wasn't yeah, on he the played, injury report. He played thirty nine minutes in the, in game two. It's, no, it's it, it was bizarre. Let me tell you something. He like barely came out of the game in the first in the first half. Like it wasn't like, "Oh my gosh." nothing in their actions indicated that they were worried about this injury. They played him at center down the stretch of the game. Not that like playing. Well, they played five. Who they play at center tonight, like bones Highland, I think Terrence, Terrence man in the end. We'll talk about that in a second. Not on the injury report. Well, this was the quote quote from Lawrence Frank, the president of basketball operations. You talked about it before the game, Uh, because they said he heard it in game, heard it, aggravated it at the end of game one. Symptoms got worse after game two. Obviously, if we weren't comfortable with him playing in game two, we wouldn't have. But after the game, things didn't get better. They got worse. So we would rule Mm. him out and kind of take it day by day. It's a very odd thing, as you said, to say something got worse that was never listed on the injury report. And they played 39 minutes. We need to get Joe Dumars on NBA Today for some explanation (laughs) of this one. Well, put it this way, it it required enough explanation that Lawrence Frank called a pregame press conference. Well, I think that's going to I, I think that old Stevie B is going to be coming up with a little change for this one. I mean, under the rules a, that it normally happens. Yeah. A, a knee sprain supposedly suffered in game one. He's not on the injury report until he's ruled out the day of game three, like hours day before of, game three. It was, it was, it was at uh, four o'clock Eastern. It, it yeah. was 345 Eastern. I was within five well, hours. After, of the game. Well, it was after shoot around. It was after shoot around. They had oh. shoot around and then they ruled him out. Oh, I get okay. I guess that's no. I'm, I'm just so, saying it was like twelve thirty yeah. Pacific time. They had shoot around, and he then they said but he they wasn't didn't. Fly. But it whatever. Okay. It was hours before. It was hours. Yeah. Before. No. I mean. Yeah. I mean, you know. Okay. I don't I'm think. Sure, I don't I'm think sh- that sure will right. result in. I don't think that will result in a fine, if only because it, I it, that tends to be the other way. If a guy goes from being like out to playing, it usually is when it is. But who knows. All right. Well, so in this game, the Clippers through I say Ty Lu, I mean, he he just is a mad scientist. He threw everything he can at the Suns and they did an impressive job taking this game down to the last minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, put Norm Powell into the starting lineup in place of Kawhi and all Norm did was score 42. Uh, probably contributed at a, a higher level than even co- could have been expected from Kawhi had Kawhi started. I'm not sh- probably not defensively, but certainly Norm Powell coming off the bench and getting 42 was not an expected outcome. Ooh, um, ooh. Yeah. I got a trivia question. More hoop collective podcast after this. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live.
It's time for Hoop Collective Trivia. Oh. Oh, there you go. What do you got? As I'm scanning the uh, SIG Slack channel. Uh, he is the fifth player in Clippers history with a 40-point playoff game. Can you name the other four? Kawhi. Yes. Blake. Nope. Did Lou CP? Williams have a 40-point playoff game? No, okay. sir. CP? No, sir. Uh, Elton Brand? Yes. That was, I, I didn't think you'd get that one. Wow, that's a good one. Uh, so we have two more? Two more. Eric Piakowski. What? No. Stop, what, stop doing what, what, what era? What era are we talking? Uh, present and well into the past. No. Um, Bill, Wal- Bill Walton? No. Can you get the know. present? Come on, dude. Uh, Paul George? Yes. Okay. And then the other one, there's a, the, the last one, there's an asterisk on it. Was it like the San Diego Clippers, the Buffalo Braves? Or well, that's something? why I Buffalo. said, is it Bob McAdoo? Well, yes, it is. All right. Good job. There you go. All right. Good. good. Hey, nice job. Well, good trivia question. That was there, a good McMahon. trivia question. Congratulations. <laughs> and by the way, you know what? We've been we've been critical, or at least I've been critical. I think we've probably all been critical of Russell Westbrook on this pod. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. Like, in all seriousness, this game showed the way Russell Westbrook can still be an effective NBA player. Yeah. Like he's not a guy that's necessarily to me very effective if you're trying to win a championship and he's playing on mm-hmm. that kind of a team. And I'm not saying this to be denigrating, but like this Clipper team at as constructed today is like a eight seed ish team, right? That's like essentially be trying to be a 500 team. If you right. have Russell Westbrook on a team like that, where he's going to have the ball in his hands all the time, he could still be a very effective player. You saw that in this game. He had 30, 12 and I think six, 30, 30 12, and eight. Yeah, and, and he had 30, three steals. And, eight and three steals. It was all over the place. He was he was playing really hard. Like he was in a he was a really effective player for them today because he had the ball in his hands all the time, surrounded by shooting. You have him in a situation like that, he could still be a very effective player. Well, one of the things that's ha- you know, first off, I don't understand why, but he actually did shoot the ball better when he came to the Clippers. I don't know why it would be a difference but he shot the ball respectably as a clipper versus as a laker where he was shooting from three-point range in the 20s and routinely throwing up air balls he did throw up an air ball in the three tonight but for some reason in those 21 games he shot like 36 percent from three okay and then the other thing is when you watch him play in this series he he had he has high turnovers he has missed shots but his playing with force that he plays with has been extremely effective. Mm-hmm. He is for the most part been able to impose his will without getting out of control. Even in the game where he was three of 19, he, I mean, he took some bad shots, but he, when I mean, he was he able a, to, he took a, he took a hundred bad shots in that game, but, but he when, also but made when, hustle plays. Right. Could have been more than 16. When he <laughs> would Felt push like the ball, in, when he would push the ball in transition, he really found ways to impact the game that way. And in the last couple of games, he's been pushing the ball in transition and going for the basket and, and getting it done. And uh, he has thirty points tonight. And mm-hmm. I mean, it. I mean, you forget, you totally forget that he what the player he was with the Lakers. Like you're watching the game and you're evaluating him as one of the best players on the court, because that has been the case for the last two games. Um, So anyway, what I want to say is that Devin Booker, Devin Booker after the all-star break was a top five player in the league. Okay. Devin Booker went healthy. Right. I mean, honestly, because he was before he got hurt too. Right. But uh, yeah, especially after he took that break and came back the last couple of games, he has been the alpha for mm-hmm. the Suns. Mm-hmm. Uh, KD has been fine in this series. Uh, he had a stretch in game one where he didn't score. He was not, a, he was not effective at the end of uh, the fourth quarter of game one, but 
it wasn't like he played poorly and he's played fine last couple of games. He's made decent amount of plays, um, scored in isolation. You know, tonight got to the line. This is a big issue for the uh, Suns is getting to the line. It's um, something that is one of their weak spots because they're all mid-range. Durant got to the line 11 times. They mm-hmm. got um, Phoenix in or They got uh, the Clippers into the, into the penalty a lot and they really worked on that. Um, but Devin Booker has been the alpha. Yeah. So he goes for 45 in this game. Uh, absolutely killing from mid-range and inside. And he also has been really strong defensively. Like this was a guy who was regarded as a weak defender not too long ago. Uh, he is he's as good as anybody on their team defensively. And they, and Monty Williams knows it. He'll give him like today when Westbrook was really causing problems, they put Booker on him. I mean, talk about something you didn't think you'd see Westbrook being a problem is with scoring the ball and Monty deciding that his best option was to go to Devin Booker. Uh, And so like, I'm just going to say, I don't know what's going to happen in this series. I mean, I would say that the Suns getting back home court with Kawhi Hurt, they'd have pretty good leverage at this point. But Devin Booker is really, really uh, looking like this might be a special run for him. And he certainly was in this game. Um, and, you know, uh, I am expecting Durant to have a couple of transcendent mm-hmm. performances. I'm sure it won't be too long where he's sniffing 40. But the fact that that uh, Durant can play three sort of B plus, B minus mm-hmm. to B plus performances, and the Suns to still be in this kind of position is an indication of just how strong Devin Booker has become. Yeah, and if we're grading on the KD curve, these were C performances, right? There, I mean, th- these on his curve, uh, he didn't really look comfortable a lot of the time. There was a lot of times where he was just staying in the corner, not involved, and then. You know, there were a lot of possessions where he didn't look comfortable. I mean, he had six turnovers. I mean, he put one off the, uh, I don't uh, put one shot. Side of the, the backboard. Yeah, the, the side of the backboard. He he just never really got in a rhythm. And he's good enough to where he doesn't get in a rhythm. And he ends up with 28 points on 8 of 15 shooting. I mean, that's how good Kevin yeah. Durant is. But it's it, right now, this is very clearly uh, Devin Booker's team. Um, which, you know, look, you can say, hey, if Kevin Durant's your second-best player, you got a chance to really do something special. Um, the problem is it does fall off pretty drastically after that. Aiden's well, been kind of just a guy, and CP3 is woo. Well, and again. Aiden's been – Aiden was not great tonight, but he, he's been okay the first two games. Well, and again, the minutes. these Those three guys – 45 minutes for Devin Booker, 42 minutes for Kevin Durant, 41 minutes for Chris Paul. Chris Paul's averaging yeah. 39 minutes. The rest of their team stinks. This is this is the problem for the Suns. Can they mm-hmm. do that for two months? Like to me, Tory Tory Craig has played three excellent games. Right. They're getting great Tory Craig games. That's probably not going to continue. They'll have other guys that might step up, but like their depth is a huge problem. They have to rely on those guys to an immense degree. And to me, like the Suns need to win, almost have to win the next two games. They have to get this series over with. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul George is not playing. Who knows if Kawhi is going to be out there or not. They cannot afford this series to go to at least six games. They have to get it over in five. They have to get their guys a break because the, the Nuggets could very well sweep Minnesota. They're going to be sitting there rested and ready to go. Suns are going to have to go play at altitude. And yeah, it's a ba- I like the stylistic matchup for Phoenix, but this Suns team is going to run out of gas if these guys have to play six games or seven games in this first round and then mm-hmm. turn around and go to altitude to play a rested Denver team and then have to go on to play after. Like, it's just they have so little depth and they're relying so heavily on these. Like, those guys shouldn't have had to play 42 and 45 and 41 minutes to beat the Clippers without Kawhi and without Paul George. Well, like, they that's, were up 13. that's not good. Well, first off, real quick. Chris Paul hurt his hand in game two, had x-rays, were negative, got treatment, was able to play. We all know the history of Chris Paul's hand injuries. I don't know if one has to do with the other, but I'm just going to say that, and then I'm going to say that he was 5 of 18 shooting in this game, 1 of 8 from three-point range, and 0 of 2 from mm-hmm. the line. 
And right at the end of the game, when there was, um, they needed some, you know, free throws to ice it, he got the ball inbound and then hot potato passed it to. Well, I was right Kevin after Durant. he whiffed, right after he whiffed two free throws. Too. That's right. Well, right maybe he can borrow. Pass uh, it to Durant. Yeah, the Grizzlies are in LA. Maybe he can borrow Jaws Mitten. <laughs> what oh mcmahon you, that is you're the best uh, i'm just best. trying to help you know what i want uh, i want some reporting for tim mcmahon for when he gets to when he manages to mosey on over to los angeles about what's going on with this mitten i want i want an in-depth story <laughs> on the mitten what's in it is there some kind of like stimulation in it is it is there padding like what what's going on with the mitten? i want to know well, I, I think it keeps just, one's hand warm. But it had the it had the fingertips open. Yeah, the fingers. I want it. Let's 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 just well, lay it you out have for to be Sunday. Able to use your phone. You have to keep your Sunday hand from Los Angeles. Let's phone. get a live report from Los Angeles on the pod Sunday from Monday <clears> on <throat> on the mitten and and its and its impact. And John's not using his phone nearly as much these days. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, so there. This game's a thirteen point game early in the fourth quarter. It looks like they're going to put it away. The Suns were a little bit disorganized in the first half of this game, bumbling, stumbling a little bit, but they got, they sort of got control of the game in the third. And then Ty Lu, because he's Ty Lu, puts out basically an all five guard lineup. Yes. Um, it was. How tall is, how, t- um, how tall is Terrence Mann? Cause he was the biggest he's guy. Listed out there. At, he's listed oh, he, at six. Russ is, Russ is okay. bigger than him, I think. I know. I think man's, I think man is, if yeah, Russ is six, I mean, four, I think man's six, five. Yeah. But so they, six, had, they do have, they, they legit Norm Powell, in a playoff. Yes. What, what's Norm Powell like six, four. I think yeah. he's six, four. They're all about the same size. Terrence, yeah. man, it was Terrence man, Norm. No, Norm Ross. is six, three, Eric Gordon. Right. Who's six, Russ, three. They were running a Russ at center lineup. That's what they were doing. Russ, I mean, is Russ, six, was the, three. Russ was the biggest and strongest guy on the court. And then yeah, but they did have when when the Suns put Aiton into the game, they had Eric Gordon or Terrence Mann on him. So they were rotating between Eric Gordon at center and Terrence Mann at center. Yeah, they had uh, and it six, worked. Two, by six, the way, three, it worked. Six, they, three, six, three, six, five. They okay. got back into the game. They're, they're yeah, just, I mean, they, they, Bones, were, they were trapping like crazy. Bones had that three uh, rattle in and out would have had him down too with like eighteen seconds left. It was Don't know how it didn't look. go down. And Bones had, by the way, Bones and I didn't. I wasn't in the building tonight, so I wasn't able to watch it as closely. Bones had 20 points mm-hmm. uh, tonight. Um, his quickness and speed in the half court definitely makes a difference. He and Chris Paul, I was getting Jose Alvarado vibes because that happened like game two, three last year in the first round. Yeah. Um, they, they had already had, I think, something happen in the regular season. I might not have it 100% right, but like by game two, three, it was clear that Alvarado mm-hmm. was going to be an instigator. Well, Bones and CP, uh, I've already been at each other's uh, chests. And then right at the end of game two, when the, there was a late timeout, the game was decided that the Suns were going to win. CP like approached Ooh. Bones. And I don't know what was being said, but two referee, two of the referees immediately came in to, to, to break it up. Wait, was, um, was Scott Foster with three little T's involved in that breakup? Or? <laughs> I, I don't remember which Scott Foster's on the court, but I don't remember which of the two officials oh, were there. I wish God. I could accurately report that. Um, so just keep a little eye on that because Bones outplayed him tonight. Um, so it was a, yes, what you're saying, Bontemps, is exactly true. Uh, Monty acknowledged the, the minutes thing before the game is a concern, and he tried to get more minutes for those guys in the first half. He played Damian Lee more minutes in this game. Than he had in one and two combined trying to get them a rake. Look, they a better break, just but... get it. They better get it done in five. They got a chance to get it done, especially if Kawhi can't play, which who knows if he's going to be able mm. to play or not. Like they, they can't mess around like the, any extra game for them is just killing. How is a knee oh. sprain day to day? How does a knee sprain how do you sprain your knee and then just keep playing with nothing on it? I don't think he was wearing anything extra on it. I don't know. I, my I, eight I years know. in I mean, college did not result in a medical degree. It's <laughs> my confusion. Well, the, you know, the media asked Lawrence Frank a number of questions trying to get drilled down on this and he just wouldn't give it. Was so, he I mean, I, and dodging? Well, I mean, I appreciate him going out there. I probably 
because Ty was is so well, tired. Again, saying the play. symptoms got worse after he played 39 minutes in game two from an injury he seemed to have suffered in game one is just it it doesn't it, it's it a just weird doesn't one. make a lot of sense. Anyway, uh, before we go, McMahon, I just wanted to get your feel for Lakers Grizzlies, which has a gigantic one on Saturday night. Yeah, uh, honestly, man, it feels like a coin flip type of series. Uh, the, as you said, the Lakers had a golden opportunity and did not cash it in. But you know what? It, let's not act like it's some kind of shock that the Grizzlies right. won without John Morant, okay? Because Tyus Jones, they call him the best backup point guard in the NBA. He's a You can remove and, they call him. He is the best backup point is, guard in the right. NBA. And the... The Grizzlies are now 34 and 15 when Tyus Jones starts over the last two seasons, including playoffs. Um, and they play a they play a different style with him. You know, it's it's obviously look, Jaws is a superstar. He's going to have the ball in his hands vast majority. Of the, and I don't I don't think Jaws a selfish player, but the ball moves in a much different way when Tyus Jones is is playing point guard just because look, Ja is capable of taking over games and tends to take over these stretches of, of every game where Tyus is a pure run the team, move the ball. And then they're, they are a better defensive team uh, without jaw. It's just, that's just the reality of the situation. So, but still that's their, that's their superstar. And man, Anthony Davis, like, you know, what is a surprise him getting completely dominated by Xavier Tillman senior, the Grizzlies third string center who's had to, uh, fill the starting roles and Steven Adams and, and Brandon Clark went down. So I guess, I guess the two things I'm most curious to see are how does Anthony Davis? Uh, well, I guess three things. One is jogging to play Two, How does Anthony Davis respond after just a real, honestly, an embarrassment of performance in game two and three, like the, the Dylan, the villain versus, uh, you know, LeBron, the bear, like, let's, <laughs> let's see how that, how that poke bear re- re- responds. Right. Um, I, I definitely, and Wendy, you obviously uh, have, have been around LeBron more than anybody and certainly much more than me. I would anticipate that LeBron will do a high road with a, a little passive aggressive jab for, for, well, he, here's my guess would be, he'll take the high road, not only because it's what he's done, but because it's the smart move for the team. Yes. But when he's, if slash when, he sees a moment to show him up. He'll show him up is what my guess is. But the, but I don't think you're going to see him come out and take 12 shots in the first quarter because mm-hmm. just because he, just because Dylan Brooks said, I don't respect the guy unless he gives me 40. <laughs> well, it's hard. To, it's hard to outsmart LeBron. And, and if you, yeah. if you suck LeBron and trying to play hero ball at the expense of the Lakers, that would be pretty clearly outsmarting him. And I, I don't anticipate that. Curious, though, also to see, uh, and obviously we don't know who will be officiating this game, how tightly are they going to officiate uh, Dylan Brooks defending LeBron? Brooks also did some lobbying in, in that regard. Um, so, no question. You know, that, well, that Dylan also be- said he's not the Heat and Cavs LeBron, which he is not. That's true. He only so, averaged 29, I mean, 8, and 6 this year. Well, I know, but I also think it's fair to say that he's not. Well, and, and look, let's be honest. Through the first two games of this series, he's not been that impactful by LeBron's standards. Like, he's had fine yeah. games, but he hasn't been – he hasn't – he's sort of had – I mean, you talked about it, Brian, after game one. He was basically invisible down the stretch of that game. It was Rui Hotspur right. and Austin Reeves who carried him mm-hmm. home. And in game two – I mean, he had, yeah, I mean, yes, he had 28 and 12 in that game, but it, it wasn't like he really put his imprint on it. He just, he kind of accumulated those stats over the course of the game because he's a great player and got some offensive rebounds and did some stuff. But I thought part of the reason Xavier Tillman got off in that game was because the Lakers decided LeBron couldn't guard Jaron Jackson Jr. after the way he was working him in the post in game one. And so they had AD out guarding Jaron in game two. And Xavier Tillman kept getting these rolls to the rim where AD was late coming over and he was getting layup after layup after layup out of it. Mm-hmm. So I'll be curious to see if they switch that back to McVan's point. We came into the series saying Anthony Davis is the, the swing guy in the series. If he's the best player on the court, like he was in game one, Lakers are probably going to win. 
He certainly wasn't in game two. Memphis won that game. So this, a lot of it comes down to what, like you said, Tim, what performance we're going to get from AD on Saturday. And we talked about this coming into the series. If the Lakers want to win this series, I think they absolutely have to win game three because mm-hmm. you have five games in nine days starting potentially through game seven, starting on Saturday and starting with game four, you got a game every other day, about 2000 miles apart. And as this series drags on, you got the youngest team in the playoffs, maybe in the league in Memphis against a super old Laker team. That poor, every other poor day McMahon having to fly back and forth. Well, it's a brutal travel series to cover for sure. But if, if that, to me, that travel really advantages Memphis as the series goes along because of the, the amount of mileage and toll that's going to take <clears> on the Lakers. And the Lakers already look kind of tired in game two when they've had two games in what, nine days? Three no. games in 12 days. Let's also see how uh, the Grizzlies handle the temptations of Los Angeles. Hmm. That's know, true. We'll see, right. um, I, I and I'll, I'll I'm going to go. You said they need the Lakers need to win game three. They they've got to win all their home games. They've got to, they they stole home court, uh, but the Grizzlies had the best home court record in the NBA this season. I don't think that the Lakers are going to win twice in Memphis in this series. So the Lakers they took home court from them. And if they if they handle their business at home, they win the series. If they don't, I don't think they do. All right. Definitely worth watching. Thank you, McMahon. Thank you to Jackson. Uh, thank you to Bond Thompson as well. I can't believe you got through this pile without Brian talking about this Cavs Knicks thriller that we're going to see Friday night at the Garden. Well, it's, it's going to be great, but it's 2 a.m. First, first Garden playoff game with fan, full full fans in a decade. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure that the Cavs are going to be successful Friday, but we'll see if they can come out Sunday week. They can pull out a split. They'll have done well if they've done, if they do that. There's only going to be um, like 97 playoff games between the time this pod comes out and the next one. A lot of, a lot of good games this weekend. Should be fun. Uh, and thanks to Jackson for staying up all night, putting this together. So, uh, cause we're all going to sleep. All right. Thanks for the hoop collective. We'll talk to you guys in a few days. Adios amigos. 